my name is James Martinez, and I, I get the honor to serve as the pastor of our Maple Grove location. And one of the things I always love to share about myself is that I am from the Dominican Republic. So Minnesota is actually home away from home for me. Yeah, mi gente pana, donde están? Where are my, there you go, there you go. Um, I love that because I, you know, I, I like to say that I'm empowered by the spirit, but I'm also empowered by plantains. So if you feel led, if you feel led, to bring some plantains for me at some day, someday. Let me know, uh, message me, I'll, I will gladly accept that. Platano power all the way, um, as we know it. If you know, you know. But uh, man, it's a blessing to continue this series that we've been on, on the book of Acts. How many of y'all have enjoyed this series? Yeah, if you've been following along, it's been amazing. Uh, last seven weeks, we've really uh, dove into all of the stories and just the different elements of what is happening here and, and, uh, and all of the different stories and different moments of what God is doing within the church. And it's amazing because uh, we had a couple of learnings of things that we took away, and I just want to uh, kind of give a recap of those. The first thing that we took away was we saw the activation of Jesus' new covenant family. And what that means is it, it, we saw the change in where uh, now the people are not following God and they're not saved by God by just following the law, but it's different now. Now it's about relationship. It's about, hey, Jesus died for our sins, and now we proclaim that we can receive God's grace, we can receive God's love uh, because of the sacrifice that he made, and they opened that door, God opened that door for us, and, and I know Pastor Nathan shared about that, about uh, holding on to that grace, right, and we see the activation of that. Second thing we learned was uh, we saw the empowerment and guidance of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit was moving uh, in the people and there were amazing things happening. I love the story that Pastor Brian shared last week as we looked at Paul in prison and you're seeing people getting healed, you're seeing people get delivered, you're seeing people that are uh, going through hard, hardships and God is bringing freedom and, and even to that story, people were physically and spiritually, chains were being broken as we saw in last week's story and it's amazing to see because that is the power of the Spirit, that is what the Spirit can do. And then finally, we saw the mobilization of the gospel through people's words and actions and this is the beautiful thing about uh, the, the life after Jesus because uh, it, it's this idea of that, hey, you don't have to follow a list of to-dos anymore, but you can allow the spirit to work in you and through you to change you, and now you can put that out to the world around you. And we see how, uh, man, there was a day where 3,000 people came to know Jesus and said yes to Jesus, and hundreds and hundreds more came to know him after that, and we even see that this was a moment where uh, it was the, the church's first multi-ethnic, multi-generational move. Uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't know that or see that, but, but this is the first time that there is things that God is doing in all generations, in all nations, and the gospel continues to move forward. And I love how my man Joe Money Banks in Lakeville put it. Um, he said, uh, the gospel is for everyone. Everybody say, the gospel is for everyone. And that's what we learned through some of these stories. And so today I want to do my part. Um, and bring the conclusion as we close uh, this story, as we close this series. And what we want to look at today is the story of what took place in chapters 21 through 28. I'll tell you right now, I am not going to read all those chapters for you, so we won't be here for three hours. It's okay. Um, but uh, what I want to do is unpack this a little bit and see, again, what we can take away. And the title of my message today is, if you're taking notes, is Focused on the Mission. Tell the person by your side, tell them, I'm focused on the mission. Tell the person that you ignored on the other side. Tell them I'm focused on the mission. 
What take place in these chapters is uh, we continue to follow the story of Paul. And again, the author, Luke, is sharing the story from his perspective. And he's telling us about all the things that uh, the apostle Paul is going through and what they're walking through and what's happening. And so uh, it focuses in on the story of Paul. And as you follow the chapters before, uh, really the ending for me is a little bit deceiving. Uh, because what ends up happening is you see God doing all these amazing things. He's moving in his people. The church is growing. Uh, healings, breakthrough are happening. And Paul all of a sudden rises up. And it's like this Marvel movie moment because you've got Paul who was this villain against the church before. And he gets transformed and changed. And now he's on the mission for the gospel. And he now begins to bring people to Jesus. He begins to uh, spread the gospel. And it's this trajectory where it's building up to this massive, awesome ending. But really, it's not so massive and as impressive as a a Marvel movie. But we see that Paul continues on and and we see some things that happening and actually there are many challenges. Everybody say challenges. There are some great challenges that he faces. And so I wanna just even summarize uh, some of those. So if you have your Bibles, as you should, you can uh, open up or tap to the book of Acts and we'll start at chapter 21. What I want to do is I want to highlight just a couple of these challenges that Paul was walking through, and we'll read a little bit of uh, the, the story here as we go through it. But one of the first challenges that we see is that Paul, he was arrested, almost killed, and goes through four different trials. He goes through four different hearings, if you will, and there's this idea of that he is now uh, seen as a criminal in his own hometown. And you see this in chapter 21, we'll start at verse 27, where it says, The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that All Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. So here's this crazy moment, right? Paul is now getting arrested for a second time. And there are all these accusations that are coming against him, and this is a challenging moment because he, he's getting beat down. He's almost, he's about to get killed, and luckily uh, the officers come, and, and they're able to uh, get him arrested, but actually it ended up saving his life. And it's a challenging moment because it's like, okay, w- w- what's going on in the story? Because we, we see so many great things that were happening, and, and then it starts here. And then we continue to see on the story where then he goes through all of these different trials, They're trying to accuse him of things that he really was not guilty of, and they're trying to make a case against him, and nothing happens, so it ends up being that they say, okay, well, now we need to send you to trial in Rome with Caesar, so now you you, got to do the next challenge, and this is the next challenge he faces. He was put on a boat as a prisoner with other prisoners. In Acts 27, verses 1 and 2, it says, when the time came, 
we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramedium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. So here you find Paul, surrounded by criminals, being treated as a criminal. And he's in this boat with all of these prisoners, and now uh, he's in this place where first it was, okay, I have these cases that are being put against me, but nothing's happening because there's nothing true. Well, then no, now I got to be sent across the sea to now get judgment there. And and then he, he faces his next challenge. Everybody say next challenge. The next challenge is he faced a storm at sea and went through a shipwreck. Again, in Acts 27, we'll look at verse 18. The next day, as gale-forced winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last all hope was gone. Now he's in the middle of this storm. The boat's about to break down. There's no hope. And as you continue to read the story, they see this landing place. There's this island now that they find. And you would think that, okay, man, okay, this is the kind of the the calm of the story, right? He made it to the island. But there's another challenge that comes up while they're in the island. And the next challenge is he was bit by a poisonous snake. Everybody say, oh, wow. No kidding. And I love how it says, Acts 28, verses 1 1 through 3, it says, Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. So they thought they were safe, apparently. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. This is the part where it's like, okay, is anything good going to happen to Paul? Because it just continues, and this wasn't like a longer period of time of challenges. No, this is something where we see in the story, it's one thing after the other. He goes challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. And this is where we see Paul at the end of the book of Acts. What an interesting way to end this book. And I think God has purpose behind it. Everybody say purpose. Because what I know is that the one thing that we can all say in this room is that we can relate to Paul when it comes to challenges in life. How many of y'all would say with me that you've gone through a challenge in your life before? Yep. Come on, at Lakeville, at Maple Grove, at Elk River, right? We've all been through challenges. And we know that there are things that sometimes we face in front of us that are very difficult. And I'll take it even a step further to say There might be many of us that sit here today that right now there's a very hard challenge that's in front of you. It's a very hard challenge that maybe you've been processing this whole week, that you were processing this morning. Maybe it was a hard time to even get out of bed to get to church because of that fact. And you're holding on to this and it's a challenge. It's something that feels like, where's God in this? Can I get out of it? And there are many different ways that we can face challenges in our life and in our world today. 
For some of us, it might be challenges in relationships. How many of y'all know relationships can be challenging sometimes? Can we be real? How do you meet the expectations that haven't been spoken? That's a little premarital counseling there for you, <laughs> if you asked. Relationships are hard, right? You go through drama, you go through the hard moments, and it's like, oh, we're not friends anymore, never mind. And then you take it a step further, and maybe it's dating, or maybe it's marriage. And that gets real, real quick, right? Because now you've said you're committed. So now you really got to commit. <laughs> and there are challenges that come with that where life hits us when you see, man, there's two people got so much baggage. You bring all the baggage together, and that just seems like a hot mess. And then if you thought it was going to be better, then there are also challenges when you're single. When you die, hey, well, I'm single, it's, I'm, I'm good, no, but there's challenges there too. And there are continual challenges beyond that, and maybe it's something that goes even more deep. Or maybe you've had some challenges with your health, mental or physical. Maybe you're sitting in the room today, maybe you're under the sound of my voice, and maybe there's been a diagnosis that's been given in the last month, in the last weeks. And there's a challenge that stands in front of you. See, sometimes our nature is to directly connect our challenges that we go through in life with the idea that God has abandoned us, that God is not there. And sometimes we might even think, okay, well, maybe he's there, so I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, I'm going to ask people for prayer, I'm going to get on my knees, I'm going to do whatever it takes to ask for God to move, for God to respond in this way, and we don't see him move. And then sometimes we take the step further in our own flesh and our own nature and we say, all right, if God's not gonna do it, then I'm gonna take it into my own hands and I'm gonna figure it out on my own. And then we find ourselves in this place where then we for sure can't figure it out on our own. And then it's okay, we, we, we thought God was gonna show up, we thought he was gonna do it. Uh, he, he didn't do it in the way we thought, so we're, we're leaving him behind and then we're trying to figure it out on ourselves then we can't figure it out, and then that ends up turning into a resentment towards God. And we put ourselves in this place where our challenges can sometimes even stand in front of us before our relationship with God. Tell the person by your side there's encouragement coming. You see, there's a, there's a reality of that when we go through our challenges, it's easy to be so focused on our challenges. Whether it be a personal challenge or whether it be something that's happening in the world around you. And how many know there's a lot of challenges in our world today? And it's easy to get focused in on that. But today, my encouragement for you is to almost take that idea of what we hear from the psalmist David where he says, hey, hey, I, I look up to the hill and I ask the question, where does my help come from? It does not come from the mountaintop. It actually comes from the Lord. And there's this idea uh, that David encourages us to to say, hey, I do not want you to focus on the challenge in front of us, but would you challenge yourself to see beyond the challenge that's in front of you? Would you have faith? Would you believe enough? Would you trust God enough to say, I know this is not the end of the story and God's not done? Come on. It's easy in our, in our life, in our journey, 
to see these challenges in front of us and we lose all hope. I like to say it this way, in our life sometimes we don't have a faith problem, we have a memory problem. Because we forget the things that God's done for us in the past and we, we, we abandon our faith when he's actually been faithful. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, write this down. Our greatest challenge is not the challenge in front of us, it's the ability to look beyond it. That's our greatest challenge. Because we can have faith, we can believe that what's standing in front of us, what, what, God, what, what might be happening, the, the, the thing that's, that feels like it's never ending, the, feels, the thing that feels like the greatest challenge we've ever faced, we can trust and believe to say, you know what, God's not done. There's something more that's coming. There's something more that's on the other side. I can change my focus and look beyond it. So that's what I want to challenge us this morning. If you're taking notes, I want to give you three things uh, to, to focus on. Because as we look at the example of Paul and as we think about these stories in the book of Acts, I think it, it, there's an adjustment in our focus that we need to make. So as you're taking notes, it's, it's three things. The first one is this. Everybody say, focus on your God. So you have your challenges in front of you. We're going to take that 30,000 foot view, if you will, and we're going to focus on our God. Now, how many, of you all, how many of you all in the room remember uh, your teenage years, if you're past your teenage years now, yeah? Hopefully it's good memories. I know sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. How many teenagers in the house do we have right now? Yeah. Ew, let's go, Emmanuel, youth, all right, all right. Well, I remember uh, some great memories from my uh, teenage years, and, and there's one that I always think of and I always point back to, and I remember, so I have an older brother uh, who's two years older than me, his name is Juan, and we always shared a room together. It was always, I mean, literally from the day I was born, my mom will tell you, she put us in the same room. It happened all the way through uh, us getting, leaving home, and then we actually moved to college, and then we were roommates in college again. So um, if you have your own bedroom, consider yourself blessed, I'll tell you that much. Um, but I remember for our brother and I, we would wake up on Saturday mornings, and back in that time, there, was, there were these runs of like cartoon shows and TV shows that they would always play early on Saturday mornings, and so I remember my brother and I would sometimes uh, take the Saturday, and we would literally be in our room the entire day. Now, we know that sometimes in that teenage phase, that's just what you do. You get everything that you need in your room, TV, uh, we had a little speaker set up, we had our video games in there, we had all of our stuff that we needed in there, but uh, really the reality of what happens, which my mom will say this, and she might even be nodding her head as she might be watching now, to say that she knew that when that door opened, the question that would come to her mind is, what do they need now? <laughs> and there was a reality of that we would only come out of the room mainly because it was breakfast time, lunch time, or dinner time. And I remember that vividly, and, and I want to share this story with you really to draw the parallel because sometimes we can be like teenagers when it comes to our relationship with God. Revelation 3.20 says this, and some of you might be familiar with this. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Everybody say Friends. Truth is, is that sometimes we take this step of salvation where we say yes to Jesus to come into our heart, to come into our life, and let's say we open the door as he's knocking and we let him in. 
But here's the tendency sometimes. We say yes to being saved. We say yes to, to a relationship with him. And we let him into the house, but then we just go right back into our bedroom. And we close the door and we leave him out in the living room or in the dining room. And then we have the tendency to say, you know what? Actually, I'm going to come out and talk to him every time I need something. So every time I open the door to come out of my room, I know Jesus is there because I already said yes to him. So he's into my heart, even though I don't really have a relationship or a friendship with him. But I know he's there. So every time I need to him, I'm, I'm going to cash in. And there's this reality of that we can sometimes be in that way where we have Jesus, but we don't know him. We have a relationship with God, but we don't really know him. And, and, and the verse, I love what it says because it talks about being friends. If you're taking notes, write this down. I encourage you with this. It's important to know the God that saves you, but it's equally important to know the God who changes you. Pastor Nate loves to talk about how change happens in the context of relationships. I would argue to say that the same thing is with God. There are some things that have to change in your life after you say yes to Jesus, after that turning point, but those things can only change as you begin to walk that journey with Jesus. As you begin to have that relationship, as you say yes to, okay, I'm gonna sit down at the table, and guess what, Jesus, there are some things that I'm shameful of, there are some things that I've done wrong, there are some struggles and sin that I'm still carrying right now, but I'm gonna be open, I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna put it all out there, and would you do the work that you can only do in my life because only you can change me? When we hear that word friend, what it means is to, have somebody that you trust. Have somebody that you can go to. Have somebody that you can sit down and have some real conversation with. I love the reminder of uh, one of my professors in college. He, he ingrained this phrase in us, uh, and I think it's so important for us to always keep it in front of us because he said, people will fail you, but God never does. Because what happens is, is we equivalent relationship uh, with people, and we go through hard experiences with relationship with people, and then we equate the same thing to God. And God's not the same. Tell the person right side, he's not the same. So we need to be able to focus on God and look beyond the challenge and say, okay, I'm gonna focus on who he is. Second thing we need to focus on, everybody say, focus on your fruit. Focus on your fruit. I've heard, we've heard Pastor Nate share the reference that says you, you, you find out what's in the cup when the cup gets tipped over. And there's a reality of that when we go through challenges in life, when we face difficult things in front of us, when there are hardships of things that are happening around us, there is something that comes out of you. Those things actually pull something out of you. I think we can all say amen to that as, we looked, as we've looked at the last two years and a half in our world today. Something gets pulled out of you when you are in front of challenges, but the question is, what is that? I love what uh, it says in John 15, verse number five. It says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Now, what fruit is he talking about? I think it points to Galatians 5, starting at verse 22, where it says, but the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, we don't have a people problem in our world today. We have a fruit problem. Because again, Paul gives us this, this, this idea of, hey, if you are with me, if you are, uh, or Jesus gives us the idea of what you're connected to me, if you are walking with me, there are things that are going to come out of you that actually point back to a relationship with me. Because that's the nature of the Spirit. But Paul doesn't stop there. He actually lets us know, hey, when you don't put out the fruit of the Spirit, there's actually other fruit that can come out of you. And it's actually the, the fruit of our sinful nature. In verse 19 of Galatians 5, he says it this way. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, uh, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. To say that the list doesn't end there. And we know that there's consistently, sometimes in us, sometimes in the world around us, where some of that sinful nature, the fruit of that sinful nature wants to come out. And I like to think about it even as we look at the opposite of what the fruit of the Spirit is, because if, if, if there's no love, then it's hate. If it's not joy, then it's sadness. If it's not peace, it's war. And if it's not self-control, then that means that you're probably being controlled by something or someone. And so as you uh, lean into, really, what does it look like to produce that fruit? Well, we heard it in the verse, and it actually points back to that uh, first point that I shared of focusing on your God. Because uh, there's, there's, there has to be a moment where we make a turn and begin to actually stay connected to God in our journey of faith. The reality is, is that the lack of fruit is produced by a lack of presence. We can't put out God if we're not with God. We can't put out the things that he has for us if we're not putting time in with him, if we're not being changed by him. So there's a reality that there's an effort that we have to make to stay connected. And again, in those words that Jesus said, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. See, church, I believe we need to strive to be a church that moves from knowing about God, which is just informational, to knowing God, which is an experience. It's a journey. We live in a day and age today where information can be at the tip of our fingers. And the, the, the connection with that can sometimes be is that sometimes we try to live our faith through a tap of a finger. Where we access information, where we access things, a, a word, a, a, a verse, a, a message, a, a story. And those things are all good, don't get me wrong. But it's way different to stand in a place of faith and just knowing about God than actually experiencing who he is for yourself to actually be able to be changed by him yourself, to be able to tap into all of the things that God has put before you. There's a difference. 
A greater depth, depth of relationship with him will change us in the ways that we need to be changed and help us be the change that the world around us needs. I used to love to say to our students back, back in the day when I was a youth pastor back in the day. It wasn't that long ago, actually. But I used to love to say to our students, I would say to them, you're a world changer. And I got these little middle schoolers looking at me, what are you talking about? I can't change the world. And I learned that I actually had to help students give them a focus, give them perspective. Because what that means is, is no, it's, it doesn't mean that you need to change the whole world, but you, need to, you have the opportunity to change the world that actually surrounds you. So it's your friends, it's your family, it's your school, it's your relationships. And can I tell you, that's not just for students, but that's for this whole room and those watching online, those joining at each location. You are meant to be a world changer. And that has nothing to do with the entire world, but it has everything to do with the place that God has placed you in right now. Can I tell you that sometimes we get too, we get, we, we, okay, if you're going to give it, give it to God. Come on, somebody. Not to me. There it is. We can sometimes put ourselves in that place where we just complain constantly about where we find ourselves. When was the last time you actually looked around and said, you know what, what's the fruit that I need to be putting out so that those around me can witness the fruit of who God is in my life? So not focusing on the challenge, but looking beyond the challenge and seeing the fruit. Last thing that I'd encourage you to focus on is this. Everybody repeat this with me. Say, focus on your mission. I think it's appropriate to have a final point that's connected to the mission. As we look at the things that we learned through Paul's life and his journey in those final chapters, but even as we look back, to many of the chapters before in the book of Acts, there's one thing that remains consistent in every chapter in the book of Acts, is that when you look to the people of God, they were consistent and never wavered of the mission that stood in front of them. Didn't matter what challenge was in front of them, didn't matter if it was literally death standing in front of them. They did not care and they always pointed back to the mission that God had gave them. And I love that because it's a full circle moment. Because as we look at Acts chapter one, we can see the consistency throughout all of the rest of the chapters. Because in Acts 1.8, if you remember as we read this earlier in the series, it says this, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This was the mission that they took on. This was their focus no matter what was in front of them, and this was true for Paul's life even. Because Paul was a guy that he was really someone that focused on his God. He was focused on the fruit of what he was putting out in every moment, and he was focused on the mission all the way until the very end. See, I mentioned the challenges of what Paul went through earlier, but... If you go back and continue to read the story, what you'll see is that God showed up for Paul. Paul continued to look beyond the challenge and God showed up for him. You'll see it there where he was arrested and almost killed. He was in trials. He sent overseas, but, but the word tells us that God gave him favor. He gave him favor with the kings and the emperors at that time and they couldn't sentence them. They were like, this guy, he's a good guy. 
Even the commander, Julius, who was traveling with him, it, it says in the verses uh, there that, that he, he gave Paul, he treated Paul well. So God gave Paul favor in the midst of so many people pointing against him. He faced a storm at sea, but God gave him hope. We'll see it in that chapter, in chapter 27, where he sits down with all the people that are on the ship. Uh, there were 200 and change of them on the ship, it says, and, and he tells them, hey, don't worry. My God, the God who I believe in, the God who I serve, said that we will make it to land. In the middle of his storm, God showed up and gave him hope. And then to, to end with the, what seemed to be the craziest challenge, he gets bit by a poisonous snake. And the word tells us in chapter 28 there where they were looking at him. And all of them are looking at Paul and they're like, okay, we're just waiting for this moment where he's about to fall down dead because it's a poisonous snake. And nothing happens. And he continues. See, Paul stayed focused on his God. He stayed focused on his fruit and he stayed focused on his God-given mission. And that was the thing that drove him every single day of his life post him giving his life to Jesus. What would that look like for us today? Or if we would take a moment to look beyond the challenge that stands in front of us and choose to say, you know what? I'm not gonna put my eyes on that, but as the psalmist said, I'm gonna look beyond. I'm gonna look beyond, I'm gonna look over the hill, I'm gonna look up to the sky and say, I know that my help comes from somebody who's greater, somebody who's more powerful, somebody who has control over all things. My help comes from the Lord. I'll close today with two final verses in the book of Acts. Chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. It says, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. Come on, yes. The tagline that we put on this series was to be continued. I think it's appropriate for all of us to understand that after those two last verses, there's a spiritual handoff that's taking place now. Where there's a baton that is being passed from Paul, from the apostles, onto you. So would you take on the mission? Would you stand with me this morning? All of our locations. You just close your eyes and bow your heads where you are because I believe God's trying to encourage some people in the room today. What I know and understand is yes, there are challenges that are in front of you right now. It's hard. There's emotion, there's tears, there's disbelief. Sometimes it even again points back to that place of faith is lost. Can I encourage you to say, I know where my help comes from. I know where my help comes from. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you. We can look at the things around us and in front of us. And those things don't change who you are.
They don't change your nature. They don't change your faithfulness. So God, I pray that you would give us the faith, the insight, the boldness, the courage to look beyond, to see what it is that you have on the other side. Lord, give us strength on the journey. God, I pray for those that might be thinking about quitting that have been going back and forth. They're wanting to throw in the towel. Lord, I pray for strength and courage today to have faith, to believe, to see what's on the other side. Lord, we give you our hearts. Pray that your peace would reign in our minds and our hearts and let us surrender completely to you. In Jesus' name.